Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm Judy Sedgman, coming to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm joined by my wonderful friend (laughs) who's been a great advisor to me and a great mentor to me and a great person in my life. Christine Heath, coming to you from beautiful Hawaii. And today, we're going to talk about parenting. Again, it was a, a suggestion that came from one of our listeners, and the concern was, you know, what do you do when your kids, it seems like kids get to a certain age and they uh, get into school and they uh, start, you know, getting caught up in in anger and bullying and, and getting upset with teachers and getting drawn into things that um, maybe they wouldn't have experienced as at home. And uh, parents have got to deal with it. And I think one of the things that I've observed over the course of my <laughs> long life, uh, when I was in school, there were no police in the school. There were no, uh, you know, there was a principal, a vice principal, and teachers. And uh, if kids acted out, the teachers kind of stepped in as like an aunt or an uncle might, or like a grandmother might, or like not trying to be the kid's parents, but just trying to be a wise, calm, elder voice and and settle them down. And that's my memory. I mean, we had a lot of kids when I was in school that were, you know, marginally disruptive or very disruptive. But I, in my, my memory is that uh, I, nobody was frightened and the teacher handled it or the principal came and handled it or the school nurse handled it. And now it seems like we've elevated the uh, level of fear that everybody has of everybody including the kind of fear that uh, that troubled kids generate in school. So that one of the things that I think we need to talk about is what I would say is that we over uh, over police either personally or via real police or we and we under love uh, kids who are troubled and struggling. And I remember uh, a teacher of mine years ago that was when I, I think I was in middle school. Yeah, I was ninth grade. And uh, she handled something that came up in the classroom really well. And I remember asking her after class, how did you do that? And she said, well, um, you know, I just, I think that love goes a long way uh, to help children calm down. And, and that was just her wisdom. And, but it's true, you know, because I've seen that so often. I've seen it in hospital settings where, you know, a truly compassionate person can step in and, and just bring love and, and warmth into a situation that, that just takes the temperature down. <laughs> so there's that. But the other thing that, that sort of enables us to see that is to realize that uh, children are just little people. And we're all the same. 
you know, they have wisdom just like we do. As a matter of fact, often when children are in touch with their wisdom, they're brilliant. And they come up with things that no adult would ever consider. And, uh, and they get upset and they get insecure and they get frightened and they get, and none of us are at our best when we're upset, insecure, and frightened. So somehow when children do it, we tend to say, oh, that was naughty. That was bad. That was, you know, horrible. Instead of being able to say, I know you're upset and it's, it, you're just thinking a lot of thoughts right now that are getting you feeling more upset and let's find a way to calm down. And I remember when my, when my grandchild was little and my daughter at that time was very involved in the principles and she did something with him that I thought was brilliant. When the more upset that a child would get or a child would get, the more she would talk softly. So in other words, like, you know, he would start yelling and she would start whispering. And she would get down on her knees and, and say, eyes on mommy, eyes on mommy, eyes on mommy. And he'd look at her and she'd make eye contact. And then she'd say very quietly, it's okay to be upset. Everybody gets upset. It's fine if you're upset. But it's not a good thing when you try to get other people upset. So what you got to do is calm down. And she would say little stuff like that. And then he had a special chair that was comfortable. And she would go say, now I tell you what, I tell you what I'd like you to do. You just go to your chair and sit there for a while. And when you start feeling better, just come on down, come back, come back to us and uh, call me if you need me. And then he would go to his chair. And, you know, I mean, I remember one time that uh, he got frustrated over something that was going on and went through one of these little tantrums and she did the eyes on mommy. And she's down talking to him eye to eye and he goes to his chair, kind of like hand, hang dog. And then, and then she says to me, okay, well, let's go down and read some good books. We can read some stories. And I said, oh, great. So we're walking downstairs. She had kind of a steep set of stairs from downstairs. And by the time we got to the bottom of the stairs, he's at the top of the stairs saying, ta-da, it's story time. <laughs> he comes toddling downstairs. So that's how long it took him to calm down, just as long as it took us to walk downstairs. And you could see his little mind going, oh, they're going to read stories and I'm up here crying. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we forget sometimes that uh, kids' moods and kids' thinking is just like ours. They have a bunch of troublesome thoughts. They get wound up. And they act out because we always say things and do things we didn't mean to when we're upset. And they're only one thought away from not being upset anymore. But they're not going to get that thought if we approach them with harsh, frightening, uh, judgmental, nasty uh, talk about them. It's what, what brings them down is the ability to clear their head. And, and somebody who understands, okay, I understand what's going on right now, but it doesn't have to be that way. You know, one of the things I see is um, in dealing with families is that one is that when parents get this thought that when their kid acts up or does something they shouldn't be doing, that it's personal. Why are you doing this to me? 
I don't understand why they're doing this. Why did what, you know, like a child gets mad and goes, I hate you. And they're like, Oh, you hate me. Why do you hate me? You know? And, and there's this, you know, there's a way that they just take their children so seriously. And when they're teenagers, it's, when they're little, it's easier to do that. But when they're teenagers and they say stuff like that, for some reason, they think that they mean it more, you know, that they're intentionally trying to make them upset. And, um, you know, the, the thing about it is that kids are acting as a way of reacting to their thinking, the state of mind they're in. And parents have to remember that it's all about changing and living in a more beautiful feeling. So most parents are going a million miles an hour. They're trying to take care of the kids, work two jobs. You know, it's like their lives are going so fast. And the child gets into that mode, that feeling mode, and they start to malfunction. And they start to try to get some control of their life because it feels like life is taking them along. So they skip school, you know, or they um, uh, do like one of my my grandson um, decided he would become an entrepreneur and uh, make musubis and sell them at school to the other kids that didn't have that didn't like the lunch they had and would rather have a a, a, one of these uh, spam musubis. And um, so he's doing this and he's making money and he's quite proud of himself. He's doing this well then. He gets caught by the by the uh, principal, and I, I was laughing because I was thinking, like, well, this boy is going to have to learn how to uh, to monitor some of his creativity. He's very creative, entrepreneurial, you know. But he definitely, he definitely got detention for that. So my other granddaughter that goes to the same school, I was asking her about him, and and she goes, "Oh, Grandma, he's naughty." I said, he is. Well, what happened? And she said, he was selling things and he had to go to detention. I was like, oh, my goodness, that was awful. Now, him that went to detention thought it was kind of like, yeah, big deal. Her, for her, that was like the worst thing you, that could happen to you, right? And so you just got to remember that each child is different. But whatever they're doing is their best thinking at the time. So if they're doing things that are negative or go against the rules, um, especially if they're rules designed for safety, then you got to just remember, like, there's something going on with them that that looks like something that will help them. That looks like something that will make them feel better. And so they're, they're following, they're looking for a better feeling because they're going too fast in their head. Now, most parents, like most parents, I tell them when they, especially when they bring in little kids, I say, look, I don't do therapy with three-year-olds. You got to take them to a, to a play therapist or whatever. I don't do that. But what I think is that if you change, your child will change. And that teaching parents how to look for the health in their kid, how to draw that out of them, how to be in a feeling of love with them, not just know in your head that you love them, but really experience love and be super patient, understanding that your job is to teach them how to get through life gracefully, not how to expect it ahead of time and then get disappointed when they don't do it right. 
right? So if, you, if you're coming from like, yeah, that's my job is I got to help them be a good adult and see how to do life. They don't already know some of the things they have to know. So you get them in a good state of mind and a lot of those reactive behaviors will go away. And then you can tell them the common sense behind why they should follow the rules and why every thought they think isn't a good idea. They shouldn't act on it. You know, these are things that we have to teach children so that they're not caught up in their thinking and do things that get them in trouble in life and make their life harder. Well, and one thing we have to remember is just like we can't hear what people are saying to us when we're upset. And children can't hear what we say to them when we're upset. So the more upset a parent gets, like I've seen this happen so many times where a child or a young person or, you know, teenager or young adult even gets upset and the parent gets frightened because the kid is so upset and then starts yelling at them because they they think that logic is somehow going to make sense to them when they're upset. But if you've ever been upset about something and you told a friend and the friend started saying, well, you're crazy. I don't know why you think stuff like that. That's just ridiculous. It doesn't help you to calm down. You know, what, what we all need when we're upset and children need it even more because they haven't had too much experience in life. So they, they're frightened by their own upset when they're little. They, you know, they don't like it. Is somebody that helps them to calm down and then you can talk to them. But you can't, you know, it's like when a person is uh, acting out and you start yelling, I don't know why you're acting out. You're just terrible. Why can't you be more like your sister? Your sister's always respectful and you're just, you know, you can't do that because what that does is makes the child feel even more alienated and frightened of life. And it's so tempting for parents, you know, to think I've got, this is when I got to discipline them. And um, I think that's, that's a hard uh it's a hard thing sometimes for parents because they feel like I should be able to do better. That's about you, not the child. Right. Or they think I should be respected. You are yes. not. I told you not to do that and you did it. So now you are disrespecting me. And you're gonna Which is what I was just going to say is that ego is one of the biggest problems parents have, isn't it? Yeah. Sure was for me until I, when my daughter became a teenager, I had to really humble myself to realize that she had to grow up. Yeah. You know, that's a hard one because you, um, you know, when, when they're little, they're a little more malleable, but as soon as they get a driver's license and they're, and they've got a lot of friends and they can go where they want and they're, they're starting to feel their oats. It's a, it's a whole new world and it's really easy to forget that they have wisdom inside them just like you do. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to find that wisdom if you keep telling them they're dumb, or stupid, or crazy, or out of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and the, the more negative kids get, the more freaked out parents get. And the more they try to control the child. Because they think that they're, you know, like uh, I see this with, with, with kids that get addicted to uh, computers. You know, and they won't get off the computer and they don't have any friends in real time. And all their friends are online friends and their mood starts to go down because it's kind of like they're operating most of their life computer in the head connecting to computer on the screen. And there's no feeling that. Right. And so what they do is they kind of bombard them with um, attempts to control them, like make them get out of their room, take the 
take the computers away, um, which I'm not saying aren't things you could do, but you have to do it from a feeling of, of love and caring. Otherwise, the child becomes more attached to what they think is giving them pleasure. And, and that, that's just what, what happens is that parents get so frustrated with children because they don't act well and they think the child is making them feel frustrated. But they have to see that the frustration is there to say like, oh, you're trying to control something you have no control over. And what you're doing is the opposite of what you should be doing. So, you know, like sometimes I'll, I'll tell people like, you know, like this child's got to find his own way. He's got to find his way towards his, towards his health. And um, trying to make people be healthy is not going to work. You have to know that the child is healthy, and then you have to be really creative sometimes on how to draw that out of them, how to, sit, how, how, how to change your family dynamics to support quiet and calm and simple and loving rather than hyper and looking for the next high by getting new things every 10 minutes. Like, you know, like sometimes, you know, when children are little, you give them pots and pans and they sit and they play for hours. And, and then as they get older and we have more things that we create, the things become more complicated, but it's about kind of getting a rush rather than living in deeper feelings. And those quiet, deeper feelings are, kids are just, they love those feelings. Yeah. And that's what gets you through to a child that's really closed off, that's really defended that's really negative is love is always the answer. And it's a feeling that you have to come from. Yeah. I got a big lesson about that when my daughter was about, I guess, 10 or 11, she used to go to summer camp, which she liked. And um, so I, she was at summer camp and I would always, you know, write her a note and say, what activities are you doing? What do you enjoy? And, and my my husband and I had a pretty busy life when she was home. So camp was a nice change for all of us, actually, but, you know, but she enjoyed it. And so one year she wrote back and she said, my favorite activity is shade gazing. And I thought, I wonder what that is. So uh, I guess they got to make phone calls once in a while. And she called us and I said, honey, I, I was interested in your telling me that you're a favorite activity of shade gazing, but I don't know what shade gazing is. And she said, well, mommy, that's your problem. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, shade gazing is you go to a really beautiful, quiet, woodsy place and you lie down under a tree in the shade and you look up through the branches and watch the patterns the sun makes. And she had one counselor that would take all the kids on these little hikes and then they would do shade gazing for several minutes. And mm-hmm. then they would come back and that was the activity <laughs> was her favorite mm-hmm. one. And, mm-hmm. you know, when she said, that's your problem, I realized, yeah, she's right. You know? <laughs> I don't, I don't do that. I don't take a few minutes. I mean, I lived in a really pretty area and there were lots of lovely places I could have, you know, walked, yeah, you know, for five minutes and sat and looked at the river. And uh, I realized, yeah, shade gazing, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. When she came home, then we started doing sunset. When she came home from camp that year, we started, okay, because our 
our deck faced sort of west, kind of off. West was off to the right. And, um, and we would sit out on the deck and watch the sunset behind the palm trees and watch the clouds and talk about what the clouds look like. And that all came from that simple little camp situation. Mm-hmm. But that's, those are the moments. To this day, she still remembers shade gazing and sunset. You know, she talks about it. And every once in a while, she lives not too far from me now, and she has a balcony where she lives that faces the sunset. And she'll call me up and say, hey, Mom, you want to come over for sunset? And we'll just go sit on the balcony and watch the sunset and do nothing. Yeah. She was your first principles teacher. Yeah, without knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But that is what kids love. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's... And that's what what parents have to get eyes for, is when do they feel good doing things that settle them down rather than getting them all excited and revved up? Now, that's not to say you never do that, but you have to be able to read your child so you can tell when when they're doing too much, when they need your attention, when they need you to bring them back to home base because they just start thinking something and, you know, Kids can get bullied in school. They can have a teacher who tells them they're stupid. You know, like all kinds of things can happen to kids that you don't know what's going on in their head. You might think you do. But most parents frequently don't slow down to listen to their children. So they don't, they can't see the difference in them. And that's the deal. It's like you really got to know your child. You have to know like how they are and so that with their mood drops and they get caught up in thinking you're right there to say, Oh, let's go this way. And you take them back to their health. And that's where you get to be creative because, you know, people wanted these parenting techniques and classes. How am I going to do this? But the most powerful thing is you being creative, knowing the direction you want to point them in. And then You'll be creative in what's right for you and what's right for that child in the moment. And there's nothing more powerful than that. Plus, it makes you feel good as a parent because you know what you're doing. Yeah, and it also brings children closer, I think, to their parents when they have quiet times together and when the parent is responsive rather than reactive to their moods. You know, that was another lesson that I learned in life is that if I got reactive, she just got more upset. But if I was listening for what what's going on here and I wasn't taking it personally when she was upset and I had the, you know, the strength of mind or the momentary, you know, wisdom to to know, just take her hand and sit down with her for a little while, you know, and um she had this one stuffed animal. My daughter had a little otter that she just loved. She still has the otter. It's very much loved. And <laughs> fur is mostly gone, but she still has it. And um, we'd go get Aunt. It was Aunt the otter. And we'd go get Aunt. And I'd say, why don't you tell Aunt what's going on? You can talk to Aunt. And she could. And she would sit there and hold Aunt. And she'd say, oh, Aunt, my friend said something terrible about me. And I found out about it. And I, I wouldn't say a word. I'd say, what do you think Ott would say? What do you think Ott would have to say about that if Ott could talk to you? And she'd say, well, my friend was having a bad day. You know, I mean, the, the wisdom is right there, but you can't force it. And you can't impose it on them. 
you know, and I, Ott was a big teacher for both of us because it made it very easy for me to find out what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it was comfortable for her because she trusted her little animal. And plus it was a time that we would be together, mm-hmm. you know. And I I think that that's, uh, we don't find that kind of time. I think sometimes we keep our kids too busy. We got them in all these activities. We're racing around with this sporting event mm-hmm. and this school thing and this science fair and this, that. And, mm-hmm. and that, you know, I think kids who have a place that they can just be quiet, a time when they can just be quiet, and a parent who will sometimes be quiet with them, it really helps them. And, and also when they're young, if you teach them about that, you set them up for life. Like, okay, we're, we're going too fast now. we got to quiet down. And, and then do it with them. But you got to live it to see it. You know, it's like parents frequently, I think, are um, trying to fix things after the fact. That's when they, like, okay, I've got to learn how to be a good parent now. Rather than learning how to be a healthy human being. Because when we're healthy human beings, we operate well and we handle life more gracefully and things turn out better. And if that's where you're living and then you teach your child how to live in that feeling, the child is set for life. But if you're going to wait until they, you know, let the school educate them, let the school do that, or you're too busy because um, your life is so full or you're insecure, you know, and it, it's, it's like helping children when they're young to see that they're okay. And you then doing parenting from that place will save them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It never fails. Like Chris said earlier, love is always the answer. Mm-hmm. No matter what the question is, love is always the answer, mm-hmm. but love is not, you know, never disciplining or never telling them when something is wrong that they shouldn't do. It's the way, the feeling behind it. Yeah. And also knowing that deep down inside, that's not what they would do if they were in a different state of mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think we tend to get frightened by things our kids do as they're experimenting with life. And then we think, oh my gosh, she's turning out to be a really bad kid. Or, oh my gosh, she hit that kid. That's terrible. Instead of realizing, you know, gosh, what, you know, what was going on in his mind that he would do a thing like that. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, that's not what he normally would do. Mm-hmm. And, and then when you can come to the child with a, with a, with a sense that they're fine deep down, they're just upset or they're having a bad day. They're in a bad mood. They're thinking something scary that you don't know about, whatever it might be. They can tell when you, when you have faith in them, yeah. they really can. You know, sometimes um, parents also have come from a family where they had bad parenting. You know, there was abuse or there was, and they're so afraid that they're going to be like their parent that they overcorrect. They overcorrect. They they try to like control the child and, and, and they lose their own grounding in doing that. So they end up acting like their parent and then they're like, beat themselves up in their head, like, oh, my God, you know, I did that thing. I try so hard not to. So you have to see also how you're thinking about yourself or you're thinking about life. That's your ego, how that gets on your eyeballs, and then it interacts with how you are with your son or your daughter. Because if you just stay present in the moment and you're in a secure place, you'll know what to do. 
you Absolutely. will know how to, how to go. Mm-hmm. But fear makes us crazy. You know, fear, whether we're f- afraid of being a bad parent or afraid of hurting our child or afraid of anything, you're living in a state of mind that is not your optimal state of mind. Right. And you're going to make thought errors. You're going to do things that don't work. You're going to do things that make things worse. So the more you can appreciate that, that might happen, and mm-hmm. give yourself a little uh, a compassion for being a human being and thinking a lot and loving your thoughts, and you recognize that it's really about that feeling, then you can let go of the past and you can deal with your child in a way that's fresh and clean and secure. Yep, and it's responsive to them, not mm-hmm. to your thinking. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, there's no, all parents love their children. But sometimes, you know, we forget. We get frightened or we get insecure and we, we forget that that love is always there. You just got to get quiet enough to find it again. And when you act from that love, um, you, you see, I, I mean, you know, you can see, you could see in your child the fear or the anxiety or whatever's going on with them because your head isn't going like, what's wrong with me? It's mm-hmm. reaching out to that troubled little person and saying, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with you, but at the moment you're just have some trouble thinking. You mm-hmm. can see that. You know, it's also, I think really important to remember that you're not there to fix what's wrong with your child. There's nothing wrong with your child. You have to see how to draw the health out of them. But when you're focused, like psychology really gets us focused and parents focused on, you know, all these childhood illnesses and how this could lead to, you know, homelessness when they're adults. And people get so freaked out that somehow their child is going to not turn out well. But human beings are sturdy buggers. You know, we are, we are resist, resilient and your child will be too. So the more you recognize that, you know, it's not about you fixing what's wrong with them. If they, I mean, if they are acting up, you there's a lot of there, lot there for you to think about. But don't focus on their health and draw that out of them. Yeah, my daughter used to have this toy when she was little called Weebles, mm. and I guess Weebles were like the tiny version of the, the old schmoo. In the old days, there were schmoos, and you could hit them, but they would stand right back up. Mm-hmm. Well, weevils wobble, but they don't fall down. That's what it said on the box. So when she got grew out of their weevils, I kept some of the weevils because I thought this is kind of like humanity. You know, this is before I even knew the principles. And every once in a while, I'd get them out and I'd say, remember the weevils, how they wobble, but they don't fall down? They pop back up. She'd go, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd say, we're just like, you know, real weevils. Yeah. And that's true. You know, we, we have the ability to bounce back when we feel safe and quiet and secure and our thinking settles down. So just love them. Just love them. Have fun with them. Yeah. Enjoy them. They don't stay, they don't stay children long. No. And at that, yeah. we will say aloha for another week. Thank you. Take care. Take care. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 